I'm not pulling out the driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the Drive to Work at Home Edition. So today, I have Taylor Ingverson here to talk about art. So Taylor, you were the art director, the main art director, right, for uh, Brothers War, is that correct? Yep, yep, from uh, concept push, early world building, and through commissioning. Okay, so let's let's do all of that. Let's start at the very beginning. So the, the, the very first, what's the very first thing you were told about the set? That we were doing the Brothers War, and I immediately had to go read these books. <laughs> so, um, but no, it was super cool. It was really, it was really loose, and just basically the we wanted to go back and revisit the Brothers War and do this as a magic set. So, um, creative lead Emily Tang and and myself basically set out to just read the book many times over, and then Miguel when he came on to the scene do the same thing and. Um, try and figure out ways that we could update the the novel into a card set, which was at the time felt very challenging. And there are things that I'm super happy that we did, and some things that you know worked worked out just great for the card set. But uh, uh, we just wanted to try and capture everything that we possibly could from the novel, staying true to it, um, while kind of bringing in our own our own vision and and things that we could could update or um, blow out that the novel didn't really mention all that much. Yeah, I, I just want to mention for the artist to understand. Um, so Antiquities existed as a set, but but we don't see the Brothers War. We, we, they dig up, like, you know, Antiquities from the Brothers War. So there's no visualness of the Brothers War other than a few random objects. The, the novel, uh, Jeff Grubb wrote a novel, but it's a novel. It's all in prose. Um, and other than a few really sporadic uh, card images, there was no visual imagery of what the Brothers were looked like. Yeah, yeah, no, a hundred percent. We took a lot of inspiration from from the antiquity set, like you mentioned, and, but we couldn't just recreate that. Some of those things were pretty bananas. I'm not going to even attempt to get the card names right, but some were like, I think there was like a shovel-looking machine with legs running around which is pretty cool um but we it, it, the the project really left us a lot of creative freedom to explore and build things out for the setting of the brothers war and kind of build out what terracier looked like thousands of years ago uh before we see it um on the map in current dominaria um well, there are a lot of things oh yeah i'm saying what was your vision when you first built the world what was your vi- visual through line like what? What was it you wanted the world to look like? What, what guided you? Yeah, so there are a lot of things that were going around. Of <laughs> should we just make this look old? Um, and that that wasn't really the idea that we wanted to run with. We wanted we wanted everyone to feel like they were very successful and uh, in their in their craftsmanship and sort of like civilizations that they built um, with on this continent. Um, but the, the biggest visual through line was that we knew we wanted this to be about robots uh, mechanically and thematically. So we really, really wanted everything to feel like everything was being adapted to deal with robots, uh, robots being built um, and uh, er- everything like that. We wanted we wanted it to really feel like a cinematic approach to this novel, um, like we we're making a movie nowadays. Now, was it important that Mishra and Urza had distinctive qualities visually? Yeah, absolutely. So in, the novel does a really good job of sort of setting the brothers up um, and showing how different they are, especially once they split. Um, so 
Urzo goes off and, like, long story short, kind of has a, a simpler, easier life, I guess, so to speak, um, where he always finds himself in, in seats of power. And Mishra kind of has a little bit more of like a harder, uh, harder life growing up after they split. Um, so we wanted that to come through in both their designs. Urza is always very powerful and uh, staunch looking from the Urza everybody knows, the long hair, the gray beard. Um, and then we just sort of like deconstructed his look for three different acts that we wanted to do with this story just to try and capture a decades long conflict. So he's always kind of like clean cut, um, very stately looking and a little bit bigger and more powerful. And Mishra, we wanted to feel like sort of the, the 90s bad boy, um, heartthrob biker guy um, throughout the setting. Um, so that visually you could obviously just tell the brothers apart and hopefully capture what their attitudes um, were about uh, just by taking a peek at them. Um, we actually, the Mishra that we riffed off of pretty hard was inspired by, I think it was an old Scott Fisher piece. Um, I can't remember if it's a Mishra card or just like a Mishra spell card, but really got that, uh, I forget the name of the hairstyle, but all the TV shows back in the 90s had that sort of like uh, bowl cut. No, not bowl cut. That's the wrong, that's the wrong word for that. Um, so you're talking about Mishra Artificial Prodigy, which yes, was from Time Spiral. Scott Fisher yes. was, was the artist. So it's the yeah. first time Mishra ever got a card. Uh, yeah, it's a yeah. legendary creature of Mishra. He actually got one before Urza, if you don't count Blind Seer from long ago. Um, so you had a, they, they, they physically had a different look. Did, did, did their inventions, did their, you know, like, did you try to separate how the creations of Urza differed from the creations of Mishra? Yeah, absolutely. Um, taking their personalities into account was a huge inspiration for their machines and their the design of their mechs. Um, trying to keep that same through line coming across, we, we sort of, pictured Urza as more of like a, uh, a defensive player on the battlefield. So all of his machines are, well, both their machines are huge, but, um, or can be huge, uh, but very like big and imposing bulky silhouettes that feel pretty slow, but incredibly powerful, sort of like a, like a heavyweight boxer on the battlefield. Um, so you could just imagine sort of just like legions of these things lining up and creating like an immovable wall essentially to try and get through where uh, Mishra's, we wanted everything to feel like super fast and aggressive and, and uh, sharp, like you just wants to get across the battlefield as fast as possible to tear apart his brother's machines. Um, there's also just like a, a hint of Phyrexian influence in a lot of Mishra's uh, designs, just trying to trying to weave in as many of the plot points as we possibly can of him being sort of haunted by nightmares of Phyrexia um, and his experience there. So. Um, that's really what we wanted to get across in their robot design um, is really trying to have them be reflections of their own personalities and how they sort of look at the world. Um, there's, there's also a bunch of fun stuff where this is sort of like where it comes in with inspiration from the antiquity set and then just designs from the 90s from uh, other magazines or cartoons um, or movies back then. Like everything sort of has like this it's like a layer of, of grit uh, on it, both like in the artwork or just is everything very textural. And um, I feel like when you run your hand across it, it'd be a little bit, it would be a little bit gritty. But also everything kind of has this, I don't know, I said awkward chunk a lot. 
during the development of of this one. But what I meant was leaning more into just like really awesome shape language that didn't necessarily have to make sense if you were going to build it today. Um, Obviously, we want things to be believable, but that's sort of the way we wanted to try and pay homage to um, the previous magic sets and just sort of the, the art and time period of the 90s was apply some grit to everything and then bring out these like really big shapes that might feel a little bit precarious if can, you put them on them. Can you explain to the audience, what, what is when you say shape language, what does that mean when you talk about that? It, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So everything has a particular shape language and that's how you know it belongs to that particular group or faction. So shape language is just literally like uh, really leaning into how you want to describe uh, how something looks um, and very much just like a visual language. Um, so when you see one of Mishra's robots, you know exactly right off the bat, oh, that's one of Mishra's bots and not one of Urza's machines. Um, so that's generally what I mean by that. Uh, and how did the shape language change between the two? Like how, how do you visually know it's Urza versus Mishra? Yeah, so kind of like what I was saying earlier, um, Urza's machines are very clean and big and bulky, um, and Mishra's machines are very lithe and aggressive and very fast, uh, fast looking. Um, I wanted them to feel sort of like hot rods zipping across the desert. Um, so that's that's kind of how they how they vary. Um, Mishra's are very lithe and fast, and Urza's are very big and bulky. You you also bring up the '90s a lot, so I, I wanted to, so. Obviously, the story, the original Brothers War story, came from the 90s. It was created in the 90s. Were you trying to get sort of a a look that sort of had a nod to the 90s? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Brothers War was a fun moving target to hit where you wanted to stay true to the source material, but you wanted to kind of like update it through the modern lens. So um, the 90s had a huge influence on where we wanted to uh, go visually with this particular set. Um, Everything from just taking inspirations from popular TV shows at the time and letting that inspire some some shapes, especially for for Gix. Um, If you relook at his his design, uh, very inspired from a lot of popular uh, villains and sort of like cartoon shows of that time period, as well as the original awesome art that we have of Gix um, from back in the day. so yeah, absolutely. The '90s played a huge, huge role in the visual development for for the Brothers War. So, so I want to bring up a different decade now. Uh, yeah. So the 1910s. So oh, yeah. I know one of the things that you guys talked a lot about was looking at some of the visual iconography of World War One. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So the conflict of the Brothers War takes place over decades, um, and we were kind of beating our heads against the wall of like, how are we going to do a decades long conflict in a magic setting? Um, magic is, is an incredible game, but for with stories, it can be a little bit tricky sometimes because it's, it's a nonlinear story delivery vehicle. Um, So one thing that we came up with was uh, trying to do breaking the story up into three acts um, to try and show the brothers' progression throughout their lives. Um, but the other big thing that we wanted to play around with was um, the idea of sort of trench warfare um, being sort of a a vehicle to allow us to just show how long and drawn out this conflict is. Um, and so 
World War One, we have uh, our own unfortunate examples of this, of people just hunkering down and trying to uh, do the best they could to sort of adapt to um, a change in how warfare was conducted and uh, it just feeling like a slow slog of a fight. Um, so that, that had a big influence in on the uh, environmental cues for Brothers War also. So real quickly, uh, you mentioned this, everyone, so the audience might not be aware. Uh, when we talk about three parts of the story, like the three acts of the story, um, so in War of the Spark, which was another set that was followed the story, the three acts were like morning, noon, and night. Like, you know, like, like they were three parts of the day. Uh, yeah. But this set takes place, I believe, over seven decades, correct? Seventy years. Yeah. Yes, so yeah. act one, they're boys, right? They're they're going to the cave of Coelos and finding the the power, the Mike Stone and the Meek Stone. Act two, which is, I think, the longest, is kind of the middle of their life. And then Act yeah. Three is the end, which they're you know they're old men. Yeah, yeah. So Act One is is it very much uh, spends a lot of time as them with kids and their mentor Tokesia, and and it basically leads up into the the brothers splitting, um, Tokesia's unfortunate demise, um, and then basically the evidence of the start of the war, and then Act Two is the biggest. Um, the biggest time span I think that we spend uh, within each of the three acts um, to start to see trenches being built, tank traps, factories being put up in the environment. Um, and then that's where like the bulk of all the, the high action fighting happens and takes place on cards um, is within act two and like the seeing crazy machines um, and big old dragon engines and all that stuff. Um, and then act three Everything is sort of like the main continent of Terracier has been just strip mined of all of its resources. It's a desolate, like, mudscape full of dilapidated machines. Um, the sky is choked with smog. Uh, and it's very, it's very dark and gloomy. Um, but we wanted to bring, like, a little bit of color into it <laughs> so everything didn't feel so, so down in the dumps um, and just brown on, on cards. So, um, we wanted to try and play around with the idea that as good as the brothers are, they couldn't really crack the code of studying the Thran artifacts way back when they were boys uh, in the caves. So we tried to come up with uh, showing that because they weren't as uh, they couldn't crack the code of how the Thran built their machines. So with their own machines, they're still awesome and huge and big and very powerful, but their power stones degrade over time. Um, so in Act 3, you'll see these like magical little twinkles of twilight floating around in the air. And uh, that's that was sort of like our little nod at trying to show again just how long everything's been going on. And even these magnificent machines are degrading and starting to poison the atmosphere a little bit. Um, Act 3 is also sort of where we get this like really big contrast in environment um, because the brothers go from the main uh, continent of Tersier over to the island of Argoth um, for more resources because they just they're constantly just wanting to keep keep this conflict going for someone to be the victor um, so there we get to really like elevate the high fantasy and that's where we'll see um, <clears throat> Titania and her forces of like tree folk and elves and sprites uh, going toe to toe with with these robots um i mentioned it before on, in a couple different spots but some of my favorite pieces are just seeing 
uh, tree folk cleave through robots or a sprite like jump out of the chest of a robot as it's exploding in the background. Um, it was it was a really fun uh, fun act to play around in because you have this absolutely depressing situation on the main land, uh, and then you get to come to this beautiful island of Argoth that's like the the picture perfect uh, vacation spot. Beautiful beaches, lovely forests, and then. You know, they didn't want anything to do with the conflict, but they're going to do everything to defend their homeland. Um, so it's a really, Act 3 has a lot going on in it. Um, it's really, really fun to, to play up that contrast. Yeah, one of the tricky things, um, I, 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 I've joked that this set was a, a little bit like a Universe is Beyond set, in the sense that the story was already locked in, right? Normally when we build a magic world, well, if we need something, we build it in. But this story was kind of a, a locked known story. Uh, and the Argoth, the reason we spent so much time in Argoth is like there's nothing for green. None of the story had any green in it. And we had to find places to stick green. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, we talked a lot about the world building, but let's talk a little bit about getting artists. So one of the things that I find really fascinating is the artists vary from set to set. Like, you don't... It's not like it's the exact same number of artists and the next set is completely the same artist. Like, they're, we have a pool, but you want to adapt which artist you choose to the world you're building. We talk a little bit about, like, what did, what did Brothers War want? Yeah, absolutely. Um, real quick, just going back to green with, yeah. <laughs> with artifacts. Uh, this, this was very much an area where uh, we got to sort of take some liberties with the source material and kind of fill in some of the gaps just for the needs of the card set. So artifacts in green uh, doesn't happen like a lot, a lot. Um, so this is where we sort of got to like play around with scrappers sort of putting together their own machines or uh, magical tree vines sort of taking over uh shells of, of Misha or Urza's bots and like reanimating them and kind of walking around. Um, none of that's really mentioned in the, in the story or anything like that. But so that was a fun little, a fun little twist that we got to play just so that we could fill out some green automatons, which was, which was a ton of fun. Um, but shifting over to your other question for what does Brothers War want with, uh, as far as artists goes, um, it, it was sort of trying to hit a similar uh, target as, how we kind of approach the set in general. Um, being able to bring back some um, artists that have been doing work for Magic for a long time was something that we wanted to bring into the fold for for this set as well. Um, Richard Kane Ferguson uh, did a card for this, I think it's like Dispel or something like that. Forgive me if I got that card wrong. Uh, um, and Mark Jadine did some stuff for Commander um, and really trying to like capture what was really awesome about art, fantasy art from back in the day and, and allow that to come into the Brothers Ward was really important to us. Um, as well as um, making it feel like approaching this as sort of like a cinematic movie. Like we wanted it to feel like people were going and sitting down in the movie theater and getting to watch like Michael Bay create the Brothers War. Um, and see all these beautiful things on the screen. Selecting artists and creating like your perfect plan for each set is always a is a fun challenge. Um, it's a giant puzzle. I call it like the Sudoku step of of what we do because once somebody is unable to take something, it can affect like the next twenty people's assignments. So you're always trying to set the artists up for success the best way you can and give them um, assignments that that feel like they're tailored for them 
we do that a lot of ways by either adjusting what we're asking for to fit what the artist is great at um, or adjusting who's assigned to this particular card to make sure that they can actually achieve what we need them to achieve for this. Can you give an example of an artist and like how we adapted, like we gave them this card because they're good at this thing? Yeah. Okay, let me think for this this particular set. Um... <laughs> also, while you're thinking, I did look it up. Disenchant was the Richard Kane Ferguson picture. Yeah, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um... Yeah. Okay. So, this, uh, uh, Joe Meehan comes to mind. Um, I mean, I wanted someone who could bring. Say, so wait, uh, wait, say his name one more time. Joe Meehan. Um, fantastic artist. Uh, I wanted there. There's this item in the story called the Silex, and it's really just a bowl when you think about it. It's a magical dish. Um, it's a lot cooler in in the narrative and the fantasy of it and magic's history. Mm-hmm. Um, but design-wise, it really is, it's a bowl. So we, uh, we would put some Thran engravings in there. Um, but it was a great example of the event pairing with the artist to try and make this something very exciting and sort of um, express how magically powerful this particular item is. Yeah, let, um, let, let me get some context to the audience because they might not be aware. So yeah, the Urza yeah. Silex, uh, Urza uses it to end the war. It's the thing he uses basically which blows everything up. And in the modern story, the reason Teferi's going back in time is he needs to learn about the Silex. And so he, he needs Sahili to make a copy of the Silex. So th- this is like very, very central to the entire story and very pivotal in the actual original Brothers War. It's the item he uses to end the war. Um, so like, it, yeah, it's super, super pivotal. It, and it, it's a very destructive element. And the art has to show how destructive it is. That's an important part of the art. Yeah, we, we needed this to feel very powerful. And we took a little bit of uh, liberties with this as well, too. Like Just like what you were saying, if you if you look at a modern map of Dominaria and a Brothers War era map of Dominaria, the shattered island of Orgoth is because this Silex was activated. So this Silex blew up the entire island, uh, triggered all the events uh, that happened on Dominaria, such as the Ice Age, um, after the Brothers War. Um, so it, it, it is an item that is not to be trifled with um so joe was able to bring like just sort of an epic level of awesomeness to this particular piece um it's right after the silex went off um so there's like the earth is sort of cracked and shattered um but the silex is still glowing and floating almost like nothing happened um and i think that 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 particular image on that card could have gone so many ways um but I think he was he was really able to capture just how magical and powerful this particular item is. Okay, in other images that come to mind of just like this artist or this image really captured something. Yeah, um, reimagining Gix and bringing them to to life, uh, both in the card set and in the concept push, um, was really really fun. There's a bunch of artists that sort of went into the hand for these. Uh, well, there's a lot of artists that did a lot of stuff for the set and then a lot of great artists that really, really helped us out in the concept push. Um, uh, Anna Steinbauer uh, redesigned Gix um, during the concept push, um, and she did a fantastic job uh, going back and forth with me and 
really updating Gix's design and also the brotherhood of Gix and just sort of how the thinking behind how Gix would sort of manipulate his followers or place his hand in, in their heads to see what they've seen. Um, but uh, Annapoda Morna um, illustrated the card for, for Gix in the Brothers War and is just absolutely incredible. Um, we really wanted to capture that moment where Gix is coming through the Phyrexian portal. Um, so I wanted somebody who could really bring a lot of that energy um, and uh, and just like imposing will that, that Gix has and could have um, to the card. And she, she actually blew that card out of the water. It's one of my favorite pieces in the set, for sure. Yeah, it's a very impressive piece. <laughs> One thing about doing a, a podcast, it's very hard to talk about images. So, guys, you gotta, as we're talking about this, you got to go, go look up the images. So, this is Gix Yogweth Prater. Uh, go look up the images so you can uh, see what we're talking about. But, they, yeah, they're really cool. Um, yeah, and the other interesting thing is, the, so the Frexians, there was a balance we had to strike because they play a role in the Brothers War, but not a big role. But right. in the larger story, they play a very big part. So, like, we, we both wanted to make sure that we represented the Frexians, you know, um, but it, it not have them take over because the Brothers War really isn't about Phyrexia. I mean, they, they influence Mishra, but. Yeah, there's also a, um, uh, newer to card sets. I believe this is the first time he worked on a card set with us, but he's been doing concept work with us for a while. Um, Leon Tucker, um, absolutely crushed all of his cards with, uh, he did, I think, I believe he did six cards for Brothers War. It looks um, like he did uh, seven cards for Brothers War. Seven cards. Oh, because he did the promo, too, for Mitra's Foundry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, Mitra's Foundries, um, just giant mechs throughout throughout the story. Yeah, um, I'll, let me say what he did real quickly. So, he did Platoon Dispenser, Skitterbeam Battalion, Rootwire Amalgam, Clay Champion, Aeronauts Wings, Cityscape Leveler, and, as you said, Mitra's Foundry. Uh, yeah. so and he's 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 been great um and we've been using him ever since for continue to do concept art and on cards and i hope to continue to use him more <laughs> yeah i know one, one of the things the audience isn't aware but i know you're very acutely aware is artists as a resource is a very valuable resource so we have a lot of cards to make we have a lot of art to do and so i know you guys are constantly looking for new artists while you know working with lots of existing artists mm -hmm. um how many like new artists do you tend to like on a set? How many new artists do you usually do on any like Brothers War? You know, how many new artists were on Brothers War? Gosh, I'm gonna put my foot in my mouth on on this one. I mean, uh, make, a, make a guess on number. It's not you know. I'm gonna guess on Brothers War five, five to ten new artists. Um, but in general, uh, we're, we have there's so much stuff going on right now. So <laughs> the the pool is always expanding. I think right now we have like. 800 something on our, our, uh, that we work with on our artist roster. Um, and they're all, it's always rotating. Um, so we, we always like finding new voices to help us tell our stories, um, and just bring incitement to this brand. So if you're a magic artist, feel free to <laughs> reach out or meet one of us at an event or chat us up. We're more than happy to talk. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it is amazing, like I said, because uh, we keep bouncing around. Like, every set is very different. Than, you know, like, this This is the Brothers War, but, you know, 
earlier in the year we were like doing 1920s, you know, uh, yeah. magic, or we were doing you no know, uh, Kamigawa, which was very sort of more more modern, you know, and yeah. like uh, I don't know, I, I find it fascinating. Just you know, you guys nail, keep knocking on the part, but we keep like, here's this. This is completely different. We're doing this thing now. Yeah, we get to work with a ton of great great folks and it does it does rotate based on the ask of the particular world or what we want to achieve with it um but we're always hoping to keep people happy and and hope, hope that they're happy working on on magic and uh hope to just keep working with everybody it's, it's great so we're almost i'm almost at my desk here so any final thoughts about the the, the visualness of the brothers war uh, of making all, all, all the all the mini arts and all the world building and everything. What any final thoughts on, on Brothers War? Yeah, I think there was there was a lot to generate and create for the Brothers War, um, and it was all incredibly exciting. And I think they're like the, all the different factions were so much fun to take on. They had their own unique challenges um, between like. The Brotherhood of Geeks, the Third Path, uh, the Falaji, which were super fun to work on and, and reimagine, uh, Argive, the people of Argive, Yotia. Um, it was it was really, really, really exciting to just sort of let all those different cultures kind of have their own personality shine through and be able to give them some spotlight outside of outside of just the two brothers. Um, I think that was that for me was one of the most fun parts about this particular magic set is that we got to highlight characters and peoples that didn't get the the page count in in the novel um but were super important to the story so um i think that was that was that was really really fun to do with this particular set <laughs> set well i i just say i loved how it turned out i think it looks i mean i'm an old old time magic player right i i i remember opening up antiquities packs and Back then, like the antiquities really kind of hinted at the story, but didn't show the story. So it's really exciting now to like actually see the story in a way that we've never really done before. So that's that's awesome. Awesome, cool. Yeah, I'm glad you like it more. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I want to thank you for joining us today. So thank you, Taylor, for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, and to everybody else, I can see my desk, so we all know what that means. I mean, this is my end of drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So once again, thanks for being with us, Taylor. And to all of you, I will see you next week. Bye-bye.